When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and once again I'm joined by Scott McDermott of the Sunday Mail. On the pod today we assess the fallout from a semi-final defeat against Aberdeen. Very disappointing as Rangers have their sixth Hamden defeat in a row. And we preview what is now a must-win game against Kilmarnock as Stevie Clark brings his high-flying Ayrshire side to Ibrox on Wednesday night. Scott, I was... Uh, Quite an interesting game there on Sunday. What did you make of it? 1-0 to Aberdeen and a, a pretty poor performance overall from Rangers, you would have to say. Yeah, for Rangers' point of view, Johnny, just really, really disappointing. Um, huge game for Steven Gerrard and the team. Chance to get to a, a cup final, especially... By the time the game kicked off, you know, the players and the manager uh, and the supporters obviously knew that it was a, you know, they would they would be gearing up for a for an old firm final in December the second, which should have been, you know, if players weren't motivated enough, then that should have been uh, about extra motivation, you know, to set up that uh, that game against against Celtic. But the performance wasn't they good enough, Johnny. I mean, the Rangers dominated possession for long spells in the game. They had the best passages of play. Um they probably know certainly one or two they can have best players in the pitch or most impressive players in the pitch. But ultimately and we've spoke about it or it seems like we've been talking about it for quite quite some time now. In the final third, you no know, Rangers really lacked a, a cutting edge, um a bit of creativity. About a guile, somebody to, not just somebody to unlock a defence because Rangers actually did get in behind Aberdeen at times, got to the byline, got into the box, get into dangerous positions. But ultimately, when you get get to big games like that, semi finals and finals, you no know, top players separate themselves from from average players by being cool and calm and composed. In, in those danger areas and they pick out the right pass, they make the right decision. And sadly for, for Steven Gerrard and Rangers, they just didn't have that on Sunday. And watching the game, you actually you could actually feel an Aberdeen winning goal coming the way Rangers were playing. You just had a sense that, that there was going to be a, a sucker punch round the corner. Um, it was highly, highly reminiscent of the Warburton era, wasn't it? I, I WhatsApped you five minutes before the goal, saying there's a goal coming. You're, you're right. You, you just, you just did a sense. Uh, no, I watched it with a couple of other people, and we were all saying the same, all saying the same thing. You can see an Aberdeen goal coming here, just the way Rangers were playing. Uh, as you say, that kind of carelessness uh, when they get into the final third, they're into dangerous positions. There was no uh, 
No, they needed to be clinical. Um, but but ultimately it was Aberdeen that were clinical. I mean, one big chance in the game from a set piece. No, one brilliant whipped delivery into an area that that took out the goalkeeper and gave somebody a clear uh, chance at goal. Rangers had multiple set pieces. You still there? Yeah, yeah. Rangers had multiple set pieces in the game, and I thought, aside from anything else, I mean, one of the major negatives for Rangers was the the delivery at set pieces from James T- uh, Tavernier, because, listen, we, we've praised Tavernier many a time on here, quite quite rightly so. But his his set piece delivery in the last few weeks has been shocking, quite frankly, from from corners and free kicks. And I don't understand. I don't understand. What, I know he's the captain, but it baffles me, Johnny, as to why when someone is continually putting poor crosses into the box, he still hits every free kick and corner. Um, and that's something that that's something that has to be addressed. Yeah, I suppose we've got Ryan Kent there, who's who's very good on dead balls as well. So yeah. there's no reason to actually switch them permanently, but you can say, like Ryan, you take the next couple. Let's freshen things up a little bit because uh, clearly James's eye is out in terms yeah, of the balls that he's putting in. Listen, we've all played football at some kind of level, right? I mean, if if I was playing a game of eleven aside football, as I say, whether it's amateur level, junior level, whatever. If the guy who's hitting your free kicks and corners isn't doing it or is having an off day, like, like, like you say, somebody else take responsibility and say, listen, James, no, I'll I'll take the next one. No, let, let me hit the next one. But for him to hit every single corner and free kick from anywhere on the pitch just isn't good enough. No, no when he's no when he's no producing. Listen, we know he can we know he can produce, we know his dead ball delivery is normally Pretty good. It's one of his main. Uh, it's one of his main strengths from from wide. But the last few weeks, uh, including the Spartak game, and certainly on Sunday, the delivery into the box just wasn't good enough. And and Niall McGinn, as I say, we one corner. Aberdeen's only corner in the second half puts it in a sixpence uh, on Lewis Ferguson's head and gives him a a guilt edge chance, which they they score from. And you no, know, ultimately that was the difference. It's another goal lost from a set piece. And while we've seen Rangers improve massively defensively under Steven Gerrard, there has now been a few goals that's been lost in that way. Do you look at that goal and think Alan McGregor should be coming out to claim that ball? It's not far from his position at that point. Or do you blame it on the centre-half for not getting their heads on it? I blame... I wouldn't blame Alan McGregor. No, I mean, I, I can only go on my instincts and certainly... When I seen the goal firsthand, and then when I've watched that a couple of times since, it's never really occurred to me that, that that McGregor has to do better. I just think, I think when you're defending set pieces in a semi final at Hamden, and it's nil nil in a game which you know the importance of, people need to take responsibility in the box, you no, know, to mark men, to follow runners. To go and be physical and win headers. Now, whether it was Ovia Jaria, it was maybe Martin, Lewis Ferguson, or whether it's the two centre backs who are the dominant uh, headers of the ball um, in that area, someone has to take responsibility and go and, and go and win it. Lewis Ferguson is actually decent in the air for a for a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a decent size, but 
he's a central midfielder and you look at the size of Ajaria, who's a midfielder, you look at the size of the two centre-backs that Rangers have got, someone has to take responsibility and go, and go and win that ball, especially that late in the game when you know what's at stake. And when they don't take that responsibility, that's when you need to look at players' mentality um, in terms of you know, what it means to them, whether they've got that winning mentality. You know, at 0-0, as I say, in a game you dominated, if the game's not going for you and you're missing chances or you're wasting chances like Rangers were doing, no, there has to be a, a mental side to your game where you say, well, listen, if we're not going to score, we're at least going to take this the extra time. We're not going to lose a goal at this end. And that's where now, no, coming out of a big game like that, questions have to be kind of raised about that mentality and whether some of these players have it. And I think, to be fair, Stephen Gerrard wouldn't argue with that because his words after the game were, were pretty, pretty similar, pretty damning in terms of him saying if these players can't handle it at Rangers, if these players can't go and win games like this, especially when they're on top, then I'll go and find other players who can. Yeah, the, the bigger part of that, Scott, is not necessarily for me the goal itself, because anyone can make a slip up over a period of two seconds that allows a player a, a split second of, uh, of, of space to get that header. And I would say it was actually more regarding the response to that goal, because at no point in the 11 minutes of a natural time that followed that I think Rangers looked likely to score. At no point did I think they would score. Um, The Sadiq moment, that's a great chance. He goes down. Yeah. But but that apart, I generally had no feeling that, well, Rangers can come back into this game because the whole narrative and everything that we'd seen that had gone before was Aberdeen sitting in that low defensive block that we warned about in the podcast last week. Yeah, and and Rangers just couldn't find the inspiration. Plenty of perspiration, but they yep. couldn't find the inspiration to break that down. You're right, and 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 it's interesting because the talking about narratives. I mean, people have been critical since Sunday about Stephen Gerrard uh, not changing things earlier, and I think there's no, I think there's a bit of merit in that. I think substitution should have been made earlier, but the ironic thing is that when Aberdeen scored and you say there's only 11 minutes left, I actually think he'd have been as well not changing it after that because at least up until that point, the team had been in some sort of rhythm. No, they had created chances. I think when you get to that point in the game, of course your instinct is, right, we've lost a goal, I need to throw somebody on, he try and change it, so he throws Arfield and Middleton on. But in actual fact, Throwing two guys on at that point and changing it around for the it meant that for the last eleven minutes Rangers just looked a bit lost. They had no cohesion, and you're right in what you say. At, at no point between the goal and the final whistle did Rangers ever look like, like getting themselves back in the game. And that, no, for a club like Rangers, that's that's pretty damning as well. Yeah, people will say what you're talking about. Sadiq went through and goal, but I'm talking about a sense of relentless pressure. We yeah. are, you know, if Man City are 1-0 down with five minutes to go, it is an absolute bombardment. Think yeah. back to that yeah. Liverpool game where it was 4-3 with five minutes to go. Yeah. And they absolutely battered them. There was no sense of that building pressure. And as you say, I think actually the substitutions worked against Gerrard yeah, and did. that the fluency went. Well, what yeah. did you make of Sadiq going through there, Scott? Um, I've only seen it a couple of times, um, but it looked to me like it was easier for him to score 
that it was to go down. Is that your uh, view of things? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I thought that when I, when I watched it first time. I've actually only watched the incident again this morning, and I've watched it a couple of times, and my my thoughts haven't changed. I mean, it defies belief, really, that a guy of his size goes down at that moment when clearly... No, with a bit of effort, he can just stay on his feet and he's got an open goal to hit. He's round Joe Lewis, he's ahead of the defender. It's not as if he's knocked it so far in front that he can't catch it. I just think he's made a crazy decision. He's seen the keeper coming out, he can feel a defender at the back of him. There, there is a push on his back, that is one thing. There's definitely a push on his back, yeah, whether, not, it, whether it's enough, enough to knock to him down. Him. Yeah. No, not enough to make him go down, especially a guy his size. Uh, he makes the, he makes the conscious decision to go down because he thinks it's going to be a stonewall penalty because he can you know he sees the keeper coming out he knows he's knocked it past him. If you actually watch it, Sadiq actually puts his left foot into Joe Lewis's body yeah. to try and make it look like the keepers the keepers caught him. Um, it was a a really poor decision from Sadiq. He's got a wee bit of history for it. I know in a, a recent reserve game, I think it was at Falkirk, he was booked for, for diving, which is, again, madness in a, in a reserve game. So he's maybe got a bit of forum. Um, and it was just a, it just summed up Rangers' day, really. As I say, that was probably the most guilt-edged chance they had. He's taken it round the keeper. Actually did that part of it well. He gets in. For once, he stays onside gets on the uh, the wrong side of the defender and, and gets it past the keeper. And it was just crazy that he couldn't uh, he couldn't stay on his feet and, and knock it into an empty net. He's had a lot of criticism, the lads. Uh, some of it, I think, a little unfair because in the first half, I thought he was pretty good. He held the ball up well, yeah. um, better than I thought he would, to be honest. His first yeah. touch was looking a lot sharper than it's been in the cameo performances that we've seen to, to date. Yeah. And I think he showed how that this Rangers team could benefit from a player that was willing to run in behind. If he kept himself on side, I think Rangers would have had a, quite a few chances from just the, the fact that he was willing to turn the defender yeah. and go in behind, which Morelos can do that, but I think it's not his strength. His strength yeah. is holding the ball up and yeah. and, and bringing others into play. I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think he played that badly, Johnny. As you see, I thought he had a couple of decent touches. Especially early in the game, he played a couple of people in, as you say, kind of helped. He, he, he did, uh, he did simple things quite well, and and what you would be looking for for your main striker, especially a guy that's not played uh, in so long. I just thought the offsides were an obvious drawback. He wasn't timing runs properly at all. I don't think he was. Uh, I, I just don't think he was making the right runs in general. At one point in the second half. You could see Gerard was apoplectic on the side of the park because he went too early and ended up getting caught, uh, getting caught offside again. Uh, I just thought, no, I would, I wouldn't blame, I didn't blame Stephen Gerrard for for starting him. I know some people have questioned that decision, but I don't. I mean, Rangers have got three, three main central strikers in their first team squad, in uh, Morelos, Lafferty, and Sadiq. I know Sadiq hasn't uh, kind of set the head on fire, but if you're missing two of those strikers and you've got a fully fit number nine who is on loan for Roma, who's played in the Eredivisie last season, why wouldn't you start him? 
no, why wouldn't you give him a chance? He's he hasn't started a, a first team game yet. So I think he, he I'm not saying he deserved the chance, but I still think it was the right decision to go and to go and start him. Um where I would I would agree with that, by the way. Yeah, where I would disagree with, with Stephen Gerrard is that I thought he'd ran his race after about an hour. Yeah. Um I thought he'd put a, a reasonable shift in. It hadn't went from no, it hadn't really paid off. As I said, they showed some nice touches, but his runs were a bit off. He was getting caught offside too often. I thought after an hour was the time, right? You take him off, and I would have put either Middleton or or Gresda on and just changed the changed the dynamic a wee bit up front. Whether it's putting Middleton through the middle or, or Ryan Kent through the middle, all the different permutations that we spoke about in the build up to the game. That's where I think he got it wrong with with Sadiq. Okay, Scott, I've got a theory here and I'm going to elucidate it um, and I want you to pull it apart. But my theory, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is that Rangers' pre-season was basically European games. So Gerard was finding about all about his team and these European ties. He was looking at what they needed, what the, the front third needed, what the, yep. the, the midfield needed. And I think to some extent he's gone out and recruited with that in mind. And I think he's now finding out that while he's put together a very effective, compact uh, counter-attacking side for Europe, which you can see in the European results, yep. that style does not translate to these games, the games that killed Mark Warburton, where you're going up against this deep, organised, compact, defensive low block. Yeah, And I don't think he has the players, or he's going to struggle with the players that he has, to break down that kind of defence. And I think January now is, is crucial. I don't think this is just three games where Rangers have played badly. I think there's a fundamental issue with this squad in terms of quality in the final third. I think you've been over the top slightly. In terms of the recruitment, no, tactically you, you might have a point about Europe, but in terms of bringing guys in, I don't think they brought in Alan McGregor, Connor Goldson, Joe Warrow, John Flanagan, Scott Arfield for European games. I think they brought them in for British-style Scottish football games against Aberdeen, Hearts, Celtic, Hibs. Um, no, they go and basically try and compete for a for a title. That's why I think they brought them in. You think of no McGregor, Goldson, and Warrow. No, that. No back three, if you like the real kind of core of the team. No, it went for those guys, for those guys specifically with the domestic game in mind. Um, now you may have a point in terms of you're right. His preseason was pretty much made up of European qualifiers. So in terms of the the tactics of the of the team and the games that they they played in, particularly away from home and these qualifiers. Rangers, of course, had to set up a certain way. No, and whether the team are kind of stuck in that uh, that kind of rhythm, that kind of way of playing, I, I'm not sure. I think Johnny, is it not difficult, Scott, for a team to go from one style to another that's completely yeah. different? Of course, it is within but, but, three days. But that's what Rangers and Celtic have to do. I mean, we've been talking about that for for years. Rangers and Celtic in Europe when they play, no, they. No, we used to but but Celtic about... can't do it. Celtic are getting rudimentary defeats uh, from from most teams in Europe. Even Walter Smith's Rangers struggled with that. Yeah, but they were still winning trophies. 
No, mm. we're still ultimately they were still winning, winning cups, winning trophies. I mean, we used to speak about it regularly, whether it was no Celtic were playing Barcelona on the Wednesday night, and then they'd have to go no away to St Johnson on the the Sunday. I mean, that's you know that that's par for the course with, with Rangers. Now Stephen Gerrard might not have uh, no might not have thought they were going to get as far as they have done in the the Europa League, but. I don't think it should be a major, a major issue. I mean, players know the players and managers know the difference between European games and and domestic games. I think it's simpler than that, and that Rangers just don't have enough quality from middle to front of guys who who can open up defenses. I think they've got good wingers. I still think Kent and Candias. Uh, are very good at what they do. I think Jamie Murphy's the the same when he gets back. Striker wise, Morelos, it's hard to argue with him this season. Yeah, you've got a no. In terms of a deputy, no, could you really ask for somebody better than Lafferty? In terms of, you know, he scored nineteen goals in the Scottish Premiership last year. He knows Rangers. He's experienced. He's an international player, so they've got no, they've got strength and depth up there. I just think they're lacking somebody. Call it a number ten, call it a creative midfielder, call it a playmaker, whatever you like. Stephen Gerrard, I think, was hoping that Ejaria would be that guy, and as we've spoke about before, to me that's just noise game. Of course, he's got a trick in him. He's got. No, he's got terrific technical ability, technical skill, but Ejaria, when I watch him, seems to be getting deeper and deeper in games. He wants to get on the ball, he wants to build attacks as opposed to actually finishing attacks. Yeah. And Ranger, Rangers need to find a goal-scoring midfielder and a midfielder who can create uh, can create chances in and around the 18-yard box. I mean, the amount of times uh, they got no, they get into good positions on Sunday and just picked the wrong pass or made the wrong decision, decided to pass instead of shoot, decided to shoot instead of pass. No, that can't continue. And, and as Gerard said after the game, um, if no, if these players don't no, don't buck up their ideas in that department, especially in these big games, he'll need to look elsewhere. Did you think it was odd after the game that Gerard would start off by saying this is all on me, this is my fault, I'm big enough to take the, the criticism on this. But he slightly moved over towards the players by the end of his comments. Yeah, yeah, it was a wee bit, it was a wee bit contrasting. Listen, I think it's natural for managers nowadays, it's a kind of, it's a thing they do when, when they lose a big game, the manager kind of tries to shift it on himself and says, look, I'm the manager, I'll take responsibility. It's not as if, Stephen Gerrard's kind of jobs at stake, or he's he's struggling in that way. Do you know what I mean? That, that mm. he, no, he doesn't want to take the heat. He knows that he's got plenty plenty credit left, if you like. So he was that. I think that's why he was kind of he was willing to take you no know, to take the hit on himself. But he basically couldn't help himself in terms of being critical of the players because, like we are discussing now, he would have been hugely frustrated. By some of the things we are talking about, uh, whether it's Sadiq running offside, Sadiq's dive, the you no know, the wastefulness in front of goal that we're speaking about, getting into the final third, I thought he was honest and open again about that after the game. I thought he was a hundred percent right 
and his assessment of it. Uh, as I say, I think the only the only thing you really get wrong was was in terms of when when he make the the substitutions. Um, and to be fair, I think there's and it's only my opinion. I think there's been a few times this season where the timing or the personnel involved in substitutions uh, hasn't worked for Rangers. But he's a new manager. He's a young coach. He's learning his trade. No. I suppose it's, it's decisions like that um, and making substitutions at certain points in games he's going to he's going to learn from as he goes along. Yeah, my, my take on that, Scott, is that he needs to remember that managers that are successful tend to be proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. Uh, and I think we discussed it already here with regards to Aberdeen scoring, two changes immediately. Yeah. But I think it's a manager that's able to read the game and say, right, there's there's definitely a goal coming here for Aberdeen or we, we, we've just got no cutting edge, we need to change something up yeah. before the actual goal comes. That's thought, that's I the thought, key. I agree. And I thought after, when I say that after an hour, no, maybe Sadiq had run his race. Um, and, and I believe that. However, I mean, it, it, it probably didn't even have to be Sadiq. Even after an hour, I thought, I thought Arfield should have been the first guy that he brought on to try and do something for midfield, try and get, you know, be the be the one that kinda goes beyond a striker or gets in touch with Sadiq a bit more. Um Did you think point. did you did you think Jack and Koulibaly were a bit similar against a team like Aberdeen who were sitting in? Uh yeah, I did. And um I thought Jack played better of the two. I think yeah. you no, know, if I was bringing Arfield on I think it would have been probably for Koulibaly, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't think he was bringing too much to the party. I know he, he breaks play up um, and he gets his tackles in and stuff like that. He gives Rangers physicality. We've spoken about that in there. But as I say, I think after an hour when clearly it wasn't working, I think you've got a guy like Arfield on the bench. Um, he would have been my first change. Um and then, as I said earlier, possibly a, a Gresda or a Middleton for Sadiq either at the same time or, or shortly after. That's the way I would have done it. But I mean, what would they, I know it's easy and it's easy in hindsight, but I just thought after an hour or sixty-five minutes, you could see that it wasn't it wasn't happening for Rangers. They needed about a fresh legs. They needed to change it up a wee bit, give Aberdeen something else to to worry about. Um, so I would have certainly got Arfield on earlier and possibly one of the one of the forward players because as I said, you no, know, when you lose a goal with you no know, ten, eleven minutes to go, throwing two changes on, you no, know, and people suddenly don't know where they're meant to be, what they're doing, that you no know, players were changing position, suddenly Kent was playing wide right. And I actually thought Candias no, he didn't have a brilliant game, but I thought he probably looked the you no know, as if he would be Rangers' best kind of source of of a goal or a chance. Um, so it was a wee bit strange, you no, know, to take him off and suddenly you can't play in wide right. Who didn't really want to want to hug the touchline at that point? He wanted to come inside and try and make things happen. It just all became a bit disjointed in the last ten minutes, and I don't think the the subs helped with that. Okay, well, we'll move on to previewing the Kilmarnock game. Scott, is there anything to make you believe that Steve Clark won't follow exactly the same bl- blueprint? Not really. Uh, he probably will because he's no daft, Steve Clark. He's a top coach, top manager. 
No, he will have looked at all the games we've spoken about this season where where teams have sat in and frustrated Rangers and got a bit of joy out of it. So Kelly, no, they'll come confident. I know they only they they could only draw at the weekend, but as you say, they're they're flying high in the league. They've got dangerous players on the counter attack, guys at like Jordan Jones, Greg Stewart, Eamon Brophy in particular. Um so yeah, you're right. I mean, I'd be amazed if they don't come and try and do the exact same thing. They will come to Ibrooks and basically say to Rangers, right, on you go, you've just lost a big semi-final. Morale might be a bit low. You've already struggled against teams who who'll sit in deep. So come on, let, let's see what you've got. Come and come and break us down. And Kelly will probably kind of take the game from there. Uh, and if they if they can you no, know, if they can kind of keep Rangers at bay early on, they'll grow in confidence. The Rangers crowd will maybe start to get a bit a bit tetchy. Um and that's where that's what Kilmarnock will look to will look to feed off. What why wouldn't they? I think it's time to go to the 3-5-2 again for this game. I know it wasn't brilliant against Motherwell in yeah. terms of the three goals lost, but I think there were quite a lot of positives from it. And I think it's time for Rangers to lose this veil of predictability that's fallen over them, yeah. uh, where, where teams know they're going to play the 4-3-3. I think with the extra man up front, that gives you a lot more attacking power. Uh, it allows Tavernier and hopefully Barisic will be back yep. to to burst forward without having that defensive responsibility. Extra man in defence there to cover that. You can bring in uh, Katic again or even um, McCauley. Yep. And I think although it leaves you a problem with Ryan Kent and Daniel Candias, yeah, I think Ryan Kent should come in as a false nine in that system. So you right. have Morelos up front, Kent alongside him in the false nine. That allows him to drop into midfield, make it a four-man midfield if the game's getting tough. Yep. It allows him to stay up front alongside Morelos if, if, if he so desires. It's yep. given Kent a lot of freedom. But I think the kind of uh, attitude he's displayed so far, the kind of um, conf- he, confidence that he has, he'd be perfect for that role. Johnny, I think you could actually just play Kent as one of the three midfielders. I mean, when, when Gerard has been going late on in a game trying to win it, uh, there have been a good few times this season where he's taken somebody off. He's taken a midfielder off to put a striker on and he's just dropped Kent back into the you know, that kind of number eight or number ten, if you if you want to call it that, mm. of the three in midfield. So if you were going to go with a three five two, I think you just go with Morelos and Lafferty up up top and you play you play Kent as one of the one of the three in midfield. Obviously Jack um no, I would imagine Jack would be your your sitter unless you were to bring maybe a Rosser or something back in. I'm not sure, but no, the way they are now, Jack would be the kind of sitter with the with the two in front and the two in front. One of them could be could be Ryan Kent. I think he's I think he's more than capable of, of playing in there. Um, listen, I don't disagree with you. Maybe it is a time for the for a change in formation, but I would be surprised. I'd be surprised if. No, having stuck to this four three three for no the vast majority uh, of the season so far, I just I'd be surprised if no after a semi final defeat it would just seem a wee bit knee jerk to suddenly go suddenly go with a three. As I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it, but I'd be surprised if he does it on Wednesday night. What do you see as the 
full-time result from that game? Wednesday night, going to be tough for Rangers, but you would just, you would think that off the back of Sunday, no, Gerrard's made his feelings known to the players. I see in the papers this morning, I was read a couple of players coming out saying, we owe the manager a result after Sunday. When you combine that, we just uh, the general motivation that it's a crucial league game against a top six team and you're trying to stay in the coattails of, of Hearts and Celtic. No, Rangers really need to win that game on Wednesday night. They're at home. No, despite what we're saying about them on Sunday, they've been outstanding at Ibrox this season. Uh, no, even in games against good good sides like Hearts and, uh, and the European games. So, I would still fancy Rangers to to win it, but it's going to be tough. I would say, I think one, I think one nil Rangers. Stephen Gerrard would take that just now. Yeah, I would agree. I think one nil Rangers is a is a, is a fair approximation of of how yeah. of how it will go. Rangers have to be very very uh, calm, I think, in this game because I, yeah. I do think they will sit in, and uh, I think the fans have to be patient as well. I think if the fans get very agitated which is understandable on the back of such a disappointing defeat against Aberdeen yeah. in the semi-final. But if the fans get too agitated, I think it does spread to the players, especially when their confidence isn't maybe what, what it was a few games ago. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, a big chance for the Ibrox crowd to really get behind the team, and, and that'll be a big help, I think, if, that, yeah. if they can do that. Definitely. Okay, Scott, well, we're going to call it a, call it a day there. Um, that's all from us we'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers if you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate you can by tweeting us at record underscore sport or at Johnny R McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8 don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available and if you liked it please review and rate us on there too thanks for listening Generally go go let your body use your mind use your mind let your mind